Welcome to Equal Inspired, the inclusive podcast, brought to you by Equal IT. Karen Emelou joins us, who is a tech enthusiast, an accomplished professional with a diverse background in entrepreneurship, advocacy, and design. Karen is a dedicated advocate in promoting diversity and inclusion in tech, and she noticed the lack of representation for women of color in the field and decided to take action. In response, she founded Black Girls in Tech in 2020, which is a global organization that empowers and supports women of color in the tech sector through education, networking, and mentorship. The organization has grown exponentially, partnering with companies and launching programs all around the world. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited for this conversation. Yes, and we can't wait to dive into all things BGIT and to learn more about your incredible journey, Karen. So in true Equal Inspired style, we would love to start by knowing who or what is inspiring you at the moment. I definitely say like my mom. Um, my mom is really inspiring me at the moment. Um, she just finished her master's. Um, and my mom, um, she she came from a background where she didn't even go to school. Um, she came from a very, very poor background. And now that she's like, not only having her do first degree, but she just finished her master's and just seeing how it's like she was able to break barriers like she's the first person in her entire entire family history that has a master's you know a lot of her family don't even have degrees um so that is something that she's really really proud of recently and um just seeing her resilient to break or just to uh not to overcome the odds you know that she had huge congratulations to your mom truly inspiring so you're a senior product designer by trade and it would be great to know how did you get started in the field of ux ui design so i'll definitely say it was by accident um so initially um when i went to uni my degree that i started doing was computer software engineering um i didn't know what computer software engineering was before i applied to do it i found out while doing the course and then I was like, I don't like this. This is this is not for me. Like, this is horrible. So I dropped out after first year because I just felt like coding wasn't for me. And at that time, I thought that tech was coding. So I was like, tech is clearly not for me because I don't like coding. Then I went back the next year and I started doing analytical science. So working with a lot of data, um, data um, modules, things like that. And I actually quite enjoyed that I was able to kind of input things and seeing things come to life so it was a little bit of coding but it wasn't like back-end or front-end um coding um and at the time in uni I had like a graphic design business because I was very creative so I was doing flyers posters different societies and like that different businesses um and I just think it was just one day I was just like sitting down and I was like I wonder who actually designs like the interfaces of like what people build or like what we see so whether it's our instagrams or our like whatever apps like was out um so i just started googling like as a few designs like you know and then i was like ui ux and i didn't know what ui ux was up until that time and i was like okay this makes sense because i have a creative background you know i'm going to design i think this is something that i could do i didn't even understand um the the role fully 
that UX designers play within like, uh, like a tech team or a product. I just thought, okay, I can apply my skills here. Let me get into it. Um, I didn't do anything, Khan. I I always say people to people, I I did UX through YouTube University because literally I just watched YouTube a lot of figuring things out. And I remember at that time I started to freelance. So I would offer it to like um like design people's websites and things like that and do like a lot of free work to get experience. Um, like helping, you know, startups to create mock-ups and initial designs and like things like that. Um, and then I started building together a portfolio. So that was how I actually built my portfolio. Um, and then from then I was able to land my first, my first role. I was working at my friend's media agency. And then once I landed that first role, it was like, yeah, I was like, yeah. So I literally finished my. So I was already working a nine to five while in uni as a UX designer. So my nine to five was my full time and uni was my part time. Uni was my hobby. Literally, like I would I wasn't like uni was just yeah, I was already in the field working already. Um, so yeah. I remember when I graduated, I was just so like I'm very underwhelmed. So I was like, I'm not even using this anyway, a degree in analytical data, all that stuff. I was like, I'm already in the field of working already, just senior product designer at this point. Um, but yeah, that, that was kind of how I got into product. You mentioned that you've always had that creative flair about you, designing, making posters, growing up. And I'm just curious, where do you feel that creativity comes from? I just like to think that that's a gift that God has given me, to be honest, because it, it's like, it's weird the way it's like you have the skill, but you don't recall ever practicing something or like having, it's like the way there's a people that are just gifted at like music and they they have really nice voices. And it's like, whereas the people that like vocal training go to like music school and it's like, you don't. I just feel like I'm one of those lucky people that um that just kind of have it. Uh, even aside from graphics, I love art. So like even... Like I write poetry, um, I paint, I draw, I sketch. So I, I just have a very creative mind. Um, as an adult, like now at this point, I, I don't do it as much with time. But I remember there would be times where like I would spend like six hours on a painting. So it's a real passion of yours. It's engraved in your DNA, it seems, Karen, which is awesome that you can then leverage that to build a career. And you mentioned that you wasn't necessarily aware of what UX UI actually meant to begin with. Could you just share for our watchers or listeners, what is UX? What is UI design? So UX stands for user experience and UI stands for user interface. So essentially, the UX is the experience of a consumer with a product. So Whereas the UI is what the user actually sees. So for example, let's take Instagram. Everything you see visually, that is UI. However, the UX of it would have been to design the user experience of what does, what is Instagram? What are the functionalities? How does someone post? How does someone comment? How does someone DM? What does that experience look like? What steps would the user have to take to upload something to your Instagram story? So that encompasses what kind of UI UX is I would say UX is like the skeleton the foundations the 
the bare bones of a product and then the UI is bringing it alive and making it actual, actually visu- visually uh, appealing. So for anyone who's considering going down that path into the realms of UX, UI, how would you describe a typical day in the life? So I've actually left product for a year and a half, nearly a year and a half now. I'm I'm just doing PJT full time. But a typical day in the life would be a lot of kind of brainstorming, um, doing a lot of research. So even before you were to design something, you always have to look at, okay, well, what is the market saying? What type of users are we catering for? And I, that's why I always tell people that when you want to get into UX, you have to be very user-friendly because you are designing for and for other individuals, not for yourself. So I could think something is great, something I would do this, but I have to think, mm. but with these sub users or like what sub users are we actually trying to target? So I would say always being consumer focused, always being research led. Um, an example of this is Twitter. I remember when they did Twitter Spaces, and that lasted like a month, and then they took off the feature because nobody wanted that. It's like they just saw Clubhouse and they were like, "Yeah, let's do this. This is great." But everyone's like, "Why is then Twitter Spaces? Like this doesn't make any sense." So it's making sure that as a designer, everything you're implementing or designing is in is actually, you know, in line. Also working along with um, developers and either product owners or um, project managers. So they will make sure that the product is, you know, in tune with the said timeline. Like let's say if we were supposed to launch like an app in like three months to make sure that design is good, making sure that the developers are actually coding what, what it is that you, you design properly. Um, the vision is being brought to life, meeting with, you know, other key stakeholders. For example, it could be like the CPO. Because, you know, sometimes, especially when you're working with a startup, I work with start- startups a lot. They change their mind like every two months. It's like, the product is going here. I actually know the product is going here. So always making sure that you're able to be adaptable and not too emotionally invested in like a design you do. Because they could say, okay, we're scrapping that feature. We're not launching that feature in, in like this MVP. So yeah, just a lot of stakeholder kind of management and making sure that you are you are in tune with the vision um, of the product. Adaptability, I love that because I wanted to ask, uh, specifically when it comes to interviews, is it challenging when you are, in a sense, molding to each business's design preferences and style, especially when you have your own flair also. How do you navigate that? So companies, um, if they're already kind of up and running, they usually have an existing design system. So a design system is basically like a library um, or like a, a, a dictionary of their fonts, their colors, how they place stuff, spacing, things like that, typography. So it makes it easier because you are just following a guide on your designs um it's harder though when you're working with a startup for example who branding and things like that and style is not properly defined yet and that's why it gets a bit difficult because you start to implement your own design style and they could be like no no or they could be like yeah so really being able to adapt is really you know 
important, especially when you're going from, for example, let's say you're going from a company that manufactures like like baby clothes, right? And then you go to working in a bank. It's like two different, two different mentalities you need to be having. Two different, yeah, like two different things, um, environment. So definitely you need, it's, it is challenging sometimes, um, but that's just a part of the job. For anyone that may want to transition into the UX, UI design field, who doesn't necessarily have that conventional background, what advice can you share to them? I would say one, get a mentor. Find someone who is in the field. That will help a lot um, because that person can give you oversight on mistakes that they probably made and kind of tips as well as well as to empower and support you because it's very, very daunting transitioning into a, a, a very competitive field where you you feel like you are at a disadvantage because of your lack of educational background or technical background. So having somebody that's in your corner who's already in the field not only supports you, but can also, in, in some instances, help you to network as well um, to find a community to join. Um, having peers that are um, trying to do the same thing you do is very, very, very important, and especially if, like when it comes to design. I remember when I was starting off, I would have like a group of people who would look at each other's like, design, look at each other's like, portfolios. Be like, I think fix those things. Let's do this. It really, really helped. Um, three, um, I would definitely say try to do a boot camp. Um, as somebody who has self taught. I wish I did like a, a boot camp because I have to unlearn a lot of the stuff um, and relearn a lot of stuff as I was navigating. So I'd definitely say do a boot camp. I don't feel it's, it's necessary to do like a whole design degree. I don't think it's necessary, but doing a boot camp um, that is that not only is design focused, but it's also heavily theory focused as well because. UI UX is a lot of theory that people don't don't realize how much theory it is. Um, and even in terms of choosing the bootcamp or choosing a course, me personally, although like self-paced courses are great, like the Google ones and the Udemy's, um, I think for UX the UI, do a course that's like an actual course that there's like a live tutor, you have weekly assignments. Someone's actually there to grade your work, give you like feedback. Um, there's certain courses that you can afford to be like how to be less hands-on, but I think find a course that is very it's intensive. Um, because that that is where you will see the most growth and you you can kind of be nurtured in a way more than like a self-paced course. And also it, it holds you accountable, which is like the next thing I was gonna say. Have someone, whether it's your, your friends in the field, your, your mentors, to hold you accountable and set goals with them. So, for example, if you say, okay, cool, by the end of, of this year, I want to have landed like a general in UX. Like, just be accountable, having people that will check in and email a bit, you like, okay, is your, poly, is your portfolio finished? Can I look at it? Okay, cool. Are you working on your CV? Are you saying like a thousand jobs? Like, what's going on? You know, just to kind of, you know, help you because. To be fair, like we're all human, we're not always going to feel motivated, and sometimes you need other people to motivate you because you might not feel like doing it or imposter 
syndrome as well. Sometimes you really creeps in. So you need someone that just from outside of you to like speak life into you and speak positivity into you and just encourage you. So that's definitely what I would say. I love the accountability partner because I feel at times when we are learning something new, sometimes there's almost too much information to take in and it can become actually quite overwhelming to the point where we freeze and just take a complete step back. But having an accountability partner, someone who can help you through those times, help you navigate those elements of overwhelming feelings and really get you to that end destination is so, so important. Intertwining boot camps and community, it leads us on very nicely to BGIT, Black Girls in Tech that you launched in 2020. Can you share more about your mission and focus at BGIT? Our mission is to make tech accessible to Black women. And by doing that, in turn, increasing the representation of Black women in the tech industry. Because if you look at the stats, they're appalling. They actually, it's embarrassing um, how the representation is. And when you go down to the root of it, you will find that one, there's a lot of barriers to black women getting into tech. A lot of it is a lack of education. This is not saying that the, that black women are not educated, but lack of awareness of tech as it as a possibility for them lack of awareness of what tech is as an industry lack of awareness or education on how to get into the tech space lack of awareness of or education and into the different roles within tech people just think tech and they think a male engineer or they just think it's coded like i said i didn't know what tech was like i promise you i didn't i didn't know what tech was i didn't know what uh and like an analyst like an analyst was i didn't know what qa was I, I don't know what UI UX was. I didn't know anything. And I was young. <laughs> so it's like, I didn't know. So it's like that, that, that lack of exposure to tech. One, two, not enough opportunities to get into and transition. Traditionally, people always felt that, you know, you have to have a coding degree or. So it's like a lot of people write themselves off because they feel oh, my background is in, is in fashion or not. My background is in biology, like it's too late. And that's a, 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 a very harmful rhetoric that that is in our society that, oh, you've missed out. But it's like, no, it, it, there's so many other opportunities. And also, you don't have to learn to pay. Like, people are like, oh, I'm not good at math, so I can't be in tech. I'm like, listen, you can't pay me good. You can't pay me to do anything mathy, but I'm still in tech. Like, like, that's what I mean. So just, Allowing them to to see, I mean, also helping them. So things like the boot camps we do, the workshops we do, as well as partnering with companies to hire. That's the main thing because you can train, you can upskill, you can get the qualification and have the skills. But if employers are not giving you the opportunity, it's like you have a like you're a sitting duck. And we have a large pool of sitting ducks that have trained, have put in the work, have 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 gone out of their way to re- to re- require that knowledge that they need, but they just are not having opportunities. And then it leads us to, okay, why? And if you see, a lot of these tech companies, there's a lot of, I'm thinking how, how, how honest I should be on this podcast. <laughs> there's a lot of um, lack of diversity 
diversity. A lot of these big corporations will see diversity as a quota, a tick in the box exercise. Okay. We need so 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 black people, tick one Asian, tick one Hispanic, tick. Here we go. Um, we're diverse. We have met the quota. They don't see it as a necessity. And especially in this changing world, it's it, it, it's it's twenty twenty three. The feet like tech is the future. Everything around us is changing daily. Right? You actually need everyone to be involved in the tech space in order to cater for everybody. Like you know what I mean. Um, there's a lot of things as well. I'm not going to get into that much. You know, I ain't going to get cancelled. Um, but <laughs> a lot of things like things like unconscious bias, even conscious bias. Things like racism, that's very, very um, and you know some of these countries actually gaslight minorities into thinking, no, we're not racist. You know, a lot like racism can be very subtle, and it, 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 it may not even be a thing that you are purposely doing, but it could be a subconscious thing. You know, you have many cases where. You can have, like, a white man and a black woman. Um, the black woman will be more qualified, but they'll hire the black man. Every, this happens regularly. Or you see things like salaries and, like, just, you know, having, as as a minority, having to work 10 times harder to be heard, to be seen. All of these things, you know, millions of people around the world have the same experience. So something must be sticking, you know. It's like something must be true. They actually need some, some sort of, of of element and i think until companies start stop seeing diversity as a luxurity and just like okay we have this product but a necessity make it at the forefront of the hiring that's when we'll start to see the change and that's what drives what we do um at bjrt you're so right karen the statistics really are terrible i think it's under 0.3 percent right from a representation standpoint and it's something that we need to continually be working towards and striving for better you touched on a really important point there as well around the tick box exercise companies who are doing that that's exactly where they're going wrong you have to be genuine with your reasons for dei i really feel that it has to be a non-negotiable in everything that you do in order for your business to be able to thrive and uh, actually get ahead of maybe your competitors. People can see through the BS if you're not genuine with your values around DE&I. And it's so much more than just a tick box exercise because if that's the game you want to play, this is where retention comes in, right? The issues around that. If you're joining a business that isn't true to their values around DEI, you're not going to feel like you can belong. You're not going to feel supported and, and in turn be able to thrive. And then you're going to want to look elsewhere. So it's so, so important. I actually sat in on quite an interesting webinar recently, Karen, around biases. And they mentioned, you know, it's all well and good to have folks who are involved in into the process, who are aware of biases, who have the um, training on that, or they're passionate, they're caring around DEI, always having this at the forefront of their mind to give fair and equitable opportunities to all. But you have to look at who is the final decision maker for that, because it's all well and good, you know, doing that groundwork, having those values, having that inclusive experience. 
But if the final decision maker is somebody who may be having a lot of unconscious bias, not so open to DE&I, then all of that groundwork is going to be null and void. So we have to be looking as well at who are the decision makers? Are they cis white males who have maybe a lot of biases engraved in them? And really take the magnifying glass and look at that is so, so important. And you spoke about some of the challenges, that the, the crazy statistics for why BGIT exists. But let's talk a little bit about that step-by-step process of launching the company. Whenever people ask me how the BGIT start, they're always expecting like some amazing founder story. And I, I don't think it's that amazing to be honest. Um, so how BGIT started, the vision what it is now. It was, I would describe it as like a seed that grew to be a tree. And it's like, you can't stop it growing because it, it, it's just growing. Um, so for me, God really placed it in my heart to connect with other black women. So I grew up in Ireland. Ireland isn't really as multicultural as the UK or anything like that. So I was always either one of the few black people or the token black person everywhere. I I remember I just felt led to just, you know, start a community. And when I say community, I'm talking a group chat. I'm not talking about like anything that, that that we are now. So I went on Twitter one day and I was like, Hey guys, I wanna make um a group chat just to connect to other black women in tech. DM me or like this for me to add you. And I remember in like thirty minutes a group chat was full. And then we made a WhatsApp one. And I think back then the WhatsApp limit was at 256 people. That got filled. Then we made a second WhatsApp. And I was like, where the heck do you all come from? Because I don't see you guys on a day-to-day basis. Like, you're in tech. And you're like, oh, you're a part designer. Oh, you're dead. I'm like, huh? Like, you, you guys exist, like, in, in, in this capacity. And then... The group chat, it was like, okay, there is a need. There is a demand for a community. And that's why I would say BJT started as a community. Like, our mission grew from that. Once we started looking at the need, right? But, like, okay, cool. Like, we're now actually going to be, you know, a community. Like, we didn't, even, we didn't even incorporate into our company until a year in. Because we were like, what? We're still figuring out what is this? Is it, you know, it wasn't like I woke up and was like, yeah, I want to find this business. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Business plan. Whoa. It was very, very organic. It was very, very much like, okay, cool. Like, we're running now. We like, um, like, it was like, okay, cool, guys. I think we should actually make this a community. If you want to get involved, you know, on the team, let me know. We had like a few girls kind of like comment, like DM, like, yeah. We made like a group chat, like the team, you know, like cool. Let's, what are we going to call this? What are we going to call it? I was like, Black Club in Tech. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's call it Black BJT, cool. And then we're like, mm. we're going to rub people off the wrong way. And we're saying Black Club in Tech. I was segmenting ourselves. And I was like, but we need to segment ourselves because, you know, we're, we're already being segmented. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, cool. We're going to do this. Okay. Let's make a website. Okay. Uh, cause we need a mailing list. Let's have a mailing list. And then we made like, you know, our first website was horrible, by the way. But we, we, website we have now. Gross. It's all gross. 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 You know? 
made like a logo. She was like, she made the logo, everything. And it was like, cool, yeah, a website. And then we were just, you know, having fun in the group chat, all the stuff. And then next thing you know, we started getting traction from companies. And they're like, yeah, we want to work with you guys. And we're like, like we're just chilling, you know, having our little kikis right immediately. And then that was when we started to see the bigger picture. You know, it was like, okay, like, DNI issues. We can actually help. We can do this and that. That was when, like, we were like, cool, we need to incorporate into like a company. We need to, like, have structure. We need to. So it was, it was like step, step, step. It wasn't like uh, we woke up, we're like, yeah, we're going to start a company, BGIT, and then this is the mission, this is the vision, this is what it's, you know. It was very much figuring things out long, but. I wouldn't change it for the world because it, it allowed for so much growth. There's so much mistakes. Even like now, like, you know, we have such a strength team now, but um, even a lot of the people that started with us aren't even here anymore. Like there was so much things that we learned, so much things business-wise, people management, just so many things that I learned doing this journey. And I'm happy that it organically progressed to what it is. I feel like I didn't have to put effort. Like BJIT wasn't something I had to put a lot of effort in. It was driving itself because of all the members who, who, who were all in one accord and needed that community. So that was how BJIT started. And then I think in 2021, we opened it up to US members because it was primarily just UK, Ireland. Um, now we have about 37% of our, our membership base in, base in the US. Then we also launched BJT Nigeria, which is our charity arm. Um, a lot of people think we're non-profit, but we're actually not. We're actually a business, but our charity arm is the non-profit of it. So um, ever since since 2021, we've been going back to Nigeria each year to do outreach there. Um, so for example, this year we're going again in, in um, September to visit hospitals, pay for hospital bills. Um, we've partnered with a mobile clinic to go into like the private areas to like help check going into schools um we've um we run free like scholarship boot camps there we partnered with cisco there to run a free cyber you know academy for anyone who has a laptop right now we're also going to be planning a laptop drive where we're going to be able to get loads of laptops and give them out in nigeria because we have loads of women that write to us and they're like I really want to learn how to code, but I just can't afford a laptop. And when you really sit think about it, you think that that is like a one-inch barrier that we take for granted. Being able to have a laptop or a phone or like an iPad, right? A lot of people don't even have access to internet. Like, this is like, like, minute thing that we can actually, that we can make a huge difference. Um, so that is what we do in Nigeria. So as it stands, we have three and a half Branches. We have the UK, which is our, our HQ. We have BJT Ireland. We have BJT Nigeria, which is our our charity. Then we're also going to be launching BJT US very 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 soon. And each of these hubs have like their own team who are based in the country. So it's really much like growing naturally in itself. And we're at a stage where like we've now settled and we're just working on. Building our mission, our mission, our mission, our mission. Yeah. I'm so, I get so excited when I talk about BJIT. I'm sorry. 
No, 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 Karen. There are no apologies on this podcast. <laughs> that is an swear word here. So don't apologize. Okay. I'm loving your energy, the passion that you have for all things BGIT. And it really is an inspiring story in itself, truly, to see how it has grown from, like you say, planting that seed initially, starting with a community and just how it's organically flourished. And you should be so proud of that journey that you've been on. I also hope that you have that tweet framed somewhere on your wall or somewhere. I need to look for it, like, honestly. Um, but yeah, like, we're literally going to be celebrating our, our three-year, our third birthday on the 23rd of September. That was when the group chat was made. 23rd of September, 2020. Um, and I was like, wow, like, you know, talking about then, like, we would really be where we're at today. I would like, well, no, 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 no. How are you going to celebrate? Myself and the team are literally talking about this because we're thinking either one, we do we throw like a pink party um, for our community where everyone has to wear pink or we're like, should we just celebrate within the team and just get like a cake? So just says BGIT, happy three-year-old or something. I, I don't know. But we're still trying to figure it out. But it's like, wow, like we've, we've come so far and doing it full-time now for, for over a year. And it's been the most rewarding thing. It doesn't even feel like work, you know? Um, so I'm just really, I'm really grateful. There's not a lot of people that can just do what they're passionate about for a living. I, I resonate a lot with that. It's so amazing to be in a position where you can align your passions to just general day-to-day -day work. And three years, wow, time flies, right? I can imagine that that has gone so so fast and you said that it's been a journey of lessons and that's great I feel like challenges adversities these are our biggest teachers when we're on a growth journey and we're building something and in a weird kind of way we should be embracing those at times because as you mentioned you learn so much but what would you say have been some of the most impactful skills that you've learned through starting the community and now business people management i'll definitely say i'll start from making sure that you're bringing the right people to the team um there are people that you know like an idea but they're not as invested in the vision as you it shows um so people that are just invested and passionate about what it is that you guys are doing is very very important and that was a lesson i, I had to, to learn as well too making people feel valued and cared for, you know? So making people on the team feel that they matter, but they're seen, that their contributions um, are acknowledged and that they're appreciated as well. Making sure that they also have, you know, a voice. Like one thing I always say is like, I don't like the CEO title. Even though I am the CEO, I don't like the CEO title because I feel like anybody should be able to be able to, you know, and even if like, even when we end up growing, 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 I still want to be like, you have access to me at any time to, to, to talk to me about your ideas or, you know, account. I feel like it would be good for me to do this and blah, blah, blah. I don't really like having like, um, like a top down, even though like in every organization, there has to be some sort of, of like hierarchy, but I try to make it as flat as I can, um, to make sure that people can also contribute because. I always say BJT is not about me. That's why BJT is facing it. Like, unless you know me, you won't know who's the founder. 
you know, you don't see, I'm I'm not, I always have the social media, I don't run on, like, anything you see on BJT, I'm, we have a whole media team. The, like, their tongues are like, oh, yeah, get in a snap. I'm like, no! <laughs> I'm like, no! I don't want my face! Because it's like, BJT is faithful because I want, when you think of BJT, you think about our community. You don't think about Karen. Or you don't think about certain people. So, and that's how I like to be leader as well. I don't want for it to okay, Karen is here. I always like to make sure that people 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 feel feel the community within the, the team, not just like what we're trying to portray. It has to echo internally as well. So that's what I would say. But it did it did um what's called take me a learning point to get there. Because I remember and this is me just being you know, transparent. Like I remember when, like we started, I was a bit, I was a bit of a control freak, um, because I was like, I have the vision. I'm the one that has the vision. So like, y- you guys don't understand. You guys don't get it. You guys will never be as, as you know, as passionate as me. And I was like, listen, I need to learn to trust people. I need to learn to trust people. I don't know all the answers. I don't know all the answers. You know, um, my way isn't always right. Regardless of what position I'm in, I need to be open to criticism. I need to be open to other people's input. But once again, like these are things in life that you learn as as you mature and as you 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 grow with people. Um, but yeah, that is definitely what I would say is that the main like one of the main things that like on this journey as crucial people management because you will see the difference. Like people that are excited to work with you, people that are that. Because, like, and that's also where respect comes in as well. One thing I've learned is that you can't force words respect. <laughs> respect is earned. Respect isn't isn't based on your position. Like, yes, but, like, there there is that type of respect. But I don't think that's true respect. I want you to respect me because you feel valued as a person. Because you respect my morals, my value, how I, I, I conduct myself, how I make you feel. Not because you have to. And I feel like when you start looking at leadership and people management from that lens, you start to see areas that you can improve to make sure that, you know, I want these people to be here because they genuinely want to be here and they like, they actually like me. You know, I want you to like me. I don't want you just to be here because she's, she's my boss, I have to be here. No, I want you to genuinely, you know, genuinely like me. That is important, you know, because that is, you know, I want to be an embodiment of everything that I'm preaching about on the outside you're of course empowering them but in turn they also empower you through their energy their spirit and the great things that they do so people management that's a really great lesson that you've learned because it can be tricky at times to navigate right we have humans have emotions things can happen in life and it's about just being understanding and empathetic towards that and how do you maintain organization and smooth operations especially with how BGIT is now scaling. Delegation. Delegation. Delegation for me was a cuss word when we started. Because like I said, I was a control freak. So I always want to be like, going on. And I was like, I don't have the capacity because I'm just one person. Uh, and this is where like the trust comes in. So um, for example, for each branch, there's a need. So each branch functions autonomously. Um, so for example, for Ireland, there's the need for Nigeria, there's a need for the U S there's a need. So the need manages the, the branch of that region. And then, so I, am not 
involved in the day-to-day running of each of the branches. So that's that's something they they you know they run their own social media, they plan their events, they like they do everything alone. So that is delegated. Now where I come in is that I then manage the needs. So it would be like instead of of dealing with four different branches, I'm dealing with four different people. You know what I mean? Um, and Naomi, who is our our COO, she actually does that. So she she deals with the needs, and she's also um, deals with making sure that the day to day, um, where I would just sit up, sit on top and then just have oversight on what's going on. So delegation is really really help empowering people as well, giving people a voice, giving people responsibility and say there's a lot of you know girls that before they joined our team like they would be shy or like they never had any kind of like um like um uh, managerial like responsibilities and now it's like i can't even recognize you anymore because you're just like a boss like you're just you know you just got like you know get your team in, in check you get your team like in order you're just you know deliver delivering everything you need to deliver so empowering people and that's what i'm trying to do empower more people as we expand to take charge to be to have more responsibility things like that so yeah so we have the branches then within the branches there's like managers so we have like uh like head of media head of our community um head of events so like and then the teams will sit everyone's having a voice which is awesome they're effectively shaping bgit and the future with you and that's what makes it such a powerful community i know that you have a lot of exciting things that are coming up you have the usa launch which i'm super excited to follow but i think i also saw something about a retreat that's coming up so tell me a little bit more about that so that is going to be in october from the 6th to the 8th so it's just a retreat um with some of our team but also some of our members um, and it's a three-day retreat, and it's literally just to unwind and relax. So unwind, relax, and just being able to have that community. So having some girl time, you know, um, just stepping away. So it's like I, I, like I break away from everything, and I'm really, really excited for that um, coming up. It would just be like a mini sabbatical in a way. No laptops allowed. Phones have to be on dinner sounds like an absolute vibe because it's so hard at times as well to completely switch off and to just be present in the moment and be around people and just have like enriching conversations we can get so wrapped up in tech in work in life in general so the fact you're having that downtime and just enjoying each other is really really awesome i'm all here for just living in the moment what else are you excited about i'm excited for our trip to nigeria this year um like we have like a, like a 11 day itinerary of different things i think that's going to be really really exciting as well as our us team launch you know our us team are kind of working on building that how can individuals how can organizations get involved with the incredible things you're doing at BGIT. We often have, you know, companies reach out to us to either do events, to help them with recruitment. We do different things like um, and consulting for companies and like diversity, diversity and inclusion, where we have a look at the current state of the company and our policies and just trying to help. We also do diversity marketing consulting for different, um, you know, 
companies as well as um, training. So we actually do trainings for company staff internally where we talk to them about diversity and inclusion, the importance about it, um, what is, you know, allyship, what does that look like in, in the workplace, what is unconscious bias. Um, there's a, a wide variety of things that we do, you know, so if any, you know, companies that are listening to this, watching this, they want to get involved, these folks can reach out to us. We have a lot of things that we can do. Um, individuals, you'll register to become a member so you have access to everything that we do. And once we join the platform, you'll also be join our platform as well. Okay, love that. And we also had the pleasure of being at the BGIT Fest this year. And I just want to say, Karen, it was honestly such an empowering and uplifting experience being around all of those fantastic minds who were curious, who were ambitious, who wanted to transition into tech um, with such diverse backgrounds. It was so refreshing and we were really honoured, like I say, to be a part of that. I know that it's an annual event, so how's it looking planning-wise for the next year? We we usually typically start planning our tech fest around October, November on the, of the previous year. So by October time, we start to reach out to companies and things like that. But it's going to be bigger, going to be better. And we're so excited for it. And thank you so much for coming along and supporting us as well this year. It was really, really good. Um, I just love to see how interactive everybody was and, and how open all of the companies that participated were as well and made up an effort to like engage and like talk and actually show that they actually care about, you know, everyone's journey. Uh, we got really, really great feedback. So thank you once again for, for coming. Well, thank you. And as I say, it was such an energizing experience, a truly amazing day. We're so, so grateful. And for the people who aren't maybe aware of what BGIT Fest actually is, could you please just give a quick summary? BGIT Fest is our annual tech fest, where it's basically like an exhibition um, where we invite our, you know, community down we invite our companies down and they have different stands and it's a perfect perfect opportunity to actually get in front of that and diverse diverse audience so we have you know different uh, companies that come they network they grab cvs um they meet ideal uh, candidates and companies usually send like the hiring managers are recruiters to the um, event they will kind of get details of people to kind of uh, pass to their um, interview kind of process, things like that, as well as just also visibility, showing our community that, listen, like, we actually care about diversity, we actually want to hire, and that we're actually putting in effort um, to improve our diversity. So that's what our tech is. Yeah, there was great booths there, and it was such a nice touch that you had that part where individuals could get their LinkedIn portrait photos done. What a nice touch that is. And again, just highlighting the value that anybody can get from attending BGIT Fest. We actually can't do it without everybody. So that's why like every year, like we're just so grateful for, you know, companies like yourself who actually come because it's you guys actually make the event, it's you guys actually empower um, the women and make the women feel seen as well. We've spoken about BGIT in some depth and again, incredible initiative. Everything that you're doing, we support wholeheartedly. But I'm also curious, just for you personally, Karen, what change would you like to see in the industry? 
I would like to see more black women in exec roles, in leadership roles, um, in C-suite roles, on board. Um, I feel like we need to be involved in the influential decisions. Um, like you said, you know, you could have a, a um, company where, you know, the ground, I don't want to, not the ground people, that sounds weird. But like, you know, like what I mean, like the, 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 yeah, 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 the all yeah, and diversity, but it, it doesn't actually, it's very hard to be impactful if the leaders at the top do not understand or are not advocating for that. So that's definitely one thing I want to see. Yep, completely, completely agree with you. Representation, so important. And that's why we're here with Equal Inspired too, because representation matters and we want to be amplifying the voices of incredible role models just like you, Karen. So thank you again for your time today, for sharing more about your story, your journey, everything you're doing at BGIT. It honestly has been so much fun. Thanks, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed kind of like talking to you about myself and what we do. And thank you so much for even just giving me the medium to kind of share, share you know, all of this. I really hope that, you know, this conversation inspires somebody somewhere that is listening and just encourages them to just follow their heart, follow their dreams, not allowing any barrier that they might, you know, have to hinder them from achieving their goals so yeah thank you so much thank you for listening to today's episode and we hope you're feeling inspired if you are please feel free to like share subscribe and join us on our mission to create a diverse inclusive and equitable universe This podcast is brought to you by Equal IT, a mission-driven business working to diversify tech teams through refined talent acquisition, complemented by diversity and inclusion consulting. As an Azure Heroes inclusive leader, we aim for teams to cultivate a strong sense of belonging and equity. Find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. We welcome your feedback, questions, and would love to hear from you. Join us next time on Equal Inspired.